when I'm coding all night. Project won't compile, it'll be alright. Computer science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of B-Balls, my home is throw exceptions. Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us on the program tonight, Damien, a grinder and partner with DangerousThings.com, Cooper, a sysadmin who lives open source solutions, and Cursor, a software dev with a master specializing in RF technology. Up first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. If you and or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at DangerousMinds.io and or email us at info at DangerousMinds.io and we'll be glad to talk to you about it. This week on Dangerous Minds podcast, we have Justin Atkin. Thank you for joining us. Um, he's a Fort Emporium. Um, so could you start by introducing yourself and telling us what biohacking, grinding and transhumanism means to you and also what your... Um, so I, I tend to do things a little bit differently than, than the usual grinders. I'm, I like... The, when you talk about biohacking, it's usually broken down into like grinding, DIY bio, and body hacking guys. So like, I'm I'm not actually a huge like originally I like the idea of the word biohacking. Like, oh, it sounds cyberpunk, but now I'm like, but it means nothing. So eh, on on that one, um, grinding, I definitely I I like I like the I like the whole concept of it. I mean, I'm, I'm a grinder. I've done I do all, like done all the implanty thing. You know, making and designing implants. Like I, like I, I really dig that. Um, transhumanism, I find it can get a little wanky very, very quickly. Like the idea, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like let's let's get the top of the line tech. Let's do all the things. But like maybe like dial back on the uh, the like people tend to throw a lot of just like extra noise in there. But yeah, no, I'm I'm in my like day to day job. Um, I'm I'm a researcher. I kind of pick things I'm interested in and and chase them as far as I can. Uh, I like to invent things. I've been tinkering since I was really young, and I like kind of any project I'm I'm willing to tackle. Like if no matter how complicated or ridiculous it seems, I'm like, okay, well let's try. Like can't know if I can't do it if I haven't tried it. And I like to pick a variety. Like I do biology, chemistry, physics, uh, nanotech, um, a lot of like energy storage and generation stuff. Um, uh, you know, back in the day, I did a lot of nuclear physics. Um, yeah, kind of everything in between. I just wanted to um, ask you as well. Um, I was listening to a podcast by Machiavelli Davis, who we had on. I think it was two weeks ago. Is that right, Cooper? Uh, I think I think it was uh, last. Yeah, something like that. Um, and there, you mentioned that from such a young age, you were doing some crazy things. Um, you know, I'm talking way out of the classroom kind of um, knowledge that you had in terms of science with your own lab and stuff. Um, I was just sort of wondering what what spurs you to get sort of like into this, in, into the world of like. You know, this 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 high level science and what what do you reckon was lacking in terms of an education um, where what you did outside of the classroom sort of bridged that gap? Um, so I was always really really bored in school because like the the first time I noticed that when they give you the harder textbook, there's more information, but you're talking about the same subject. I'm like, wait a second, they're restricting the information they're giving us, so I don't actually have the full picture, and that drove me crazy. Um, so I would kind of like it, it started with, I, I just like tinkering and I like making things. Um, and when I first started learning about chemistry, I'm like, wait, you can make all these like different compounds and stuff. And I, I literally just started experimenting with like whatever random garbage I had lying around. But, and I like, I always liked 
um, like the high voltage stuff, like Tesla coils and all that. And uh, at one point, I was kind of just browsing around, and I found this video about these guys who built what they call the star in a jar. And I watched them turn this thing on, and the, the chamber starts glowing, you know, bright purple. And I'm like, I don't know what this thing is, but I need one. And so it, then it was kind of like looking into, you know, how do they work? What are they? Um, so the, the device itself is called a fuser. Um, it was uh, like when fusion, like nuclear fusion was invented um, by Philo T. Philo T. Farnsworth, um, the, the fuser was the first reactor. Um, it's what amateurs mess around with for years and years and years. There's this whole community of people who build these things. Um, so I would go on the forum and kind of read everything I could and you know, ask questions. Be like, you know, okay, well, what about this? Can I, can I use this? Will this work? Um, and then it was just a year of mess with it until it worked. And yeah, I mean, now, now it's the same. I find something crazy and I'm like, that sounds interesting. Let's try that thing. Um, like, I mean, just yesterday I was looking into like liquid nitrogen generation, like, well, how, how does that actually work? And then my next question is, okay, now how do I build one? Um, and so then, you know, chase that rabbit hole. So would you tell us about the thought emporium and, you know, possibly like the mission behind it or just general idea? Um, so the thought emporium started as my way of taking what was a hobby and turning it into a more legitimate business and brand and all that kind of stuff. I, I kind of wanted, I, I realized that I was finally hitting the point where I wasn't just messing around anymore and actually like discovering things and, and creating new products and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to do this properly. Um, so the Thought Emporium is my way to do that. It, it's kind of my like go-to storage of all the, the, the different things that I work on. Um, like I'm, I'm currently traveling around at the moment. So every, anytime I find something interesting, like I'm cataloging that or when I'm working on a project or I'm working the lab, like I'm, I'm cataloging that and, and sharing it and allowing people to see the process and interact and, and all that kind of stuff. So how is your work coming along with the, the painting solar cells, um, new generation storage devices and the nanorobots that can attack cancer cells? Um, so all of those projects are kind of in, in different areas. So different ones are getting worked on at different times. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm actually traveling around right now, so sort of everything's on hold. Um, but the so those projects I worked on until close to the end of the June when I left to go to Chile for Exeter, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and so at the time, I, I had made a fairly I, like fairly decent progress on the paint on solar cells, but because of the lab, I was working very restrictive. Um, it wasn't that I didn't have the materials to do the thing; it was more I didn't want to burn the house down. So I was restricting myself from using the technique that would allow those, like the, the paints to be significantly better. As to the energy storage devices, um, my kind of like stop point um, that I, where I, where I left it, um, using only off the shelf materials, I had developed a, a supercapacitor um, that could power a little LED for like three minutes, but it was only uh, four centimeters long, two centimeters wide, and like four sheets of aluminum foil thick, like it was really, really thin, which is which was really impressive for a supercapacitor, especially something that I made out of like you know really easily accessible stuff. So when I when I get to Exosphere, I'm going to be continuing that project and finishing it off because I already I already know how to like 
do the thing, like get it to the point where I where I want it. Don't really want to like use molten sodium hydroxide in my living room. The the nanobots, um, that, those ones were kind of an interesting project in that they mostly got hung up by bureaucracy, like just trying to get time to work on them was incredibly difficult. Um, and, and there were a few other things, like some of, some of our experimentation showed that like part of a mechanism doesn't work the way that we thought it did. Um, and so we've had to kind of redesign and, and kind of take a different approach. But so those ones are kind of um, on pause because I really need to focus on the energy stuff. But I do intend on getting back probably at some point next year. Um, I've kind of I've kind of come up with a very it, it's same sort of idea, but a, a much better framework framework for how this how they could work. Um, and so we're gonna take that approach and. and so you mentioned you didn't want to work with a, a molten material chemical in your living room. Uh, well, I mean, so it there, there was a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, molten sodium hydroxide can heat through glass uh, and basically anything else other than like silt. Um, so it's really unpleasant stuff to work with. Um, also, you have to heat it up to 800 degrees. You got to do it under argon, and all of that produces like massive amounts of smoke and gas and, and all kinds of other nasty so really not a pleasant thing to be doing inside so then what kind of environment would you suggest you know i'm i'm trying to figure out you know i understand it's you need a proper what you yes. want to do but what what what's your suggested environment to work with that type of material and others especially if you're trying to do this diy in your home you know, um, I mean, like it, yeah, outside is, is always a, a valid option. Um, but I mean, ideally do it in like a real lab with a good view hood and, and like somewhere where if things are going to go bad, they can go bad and you're not going to die. The, the nice thing is I've, I've been tinkering with chemicals for very, very long. So I have like a fairly good idea of when I'm going to get hurt. So I, I'm, I'm fairly good with all of my like safety stuff, but like, I, I do worry that like when I put out videos and stuff that people are going to copy it in, a, in an unsafe environment. The only, like I can do something stupid because I know I'm not going to get hurt. Like, cause technically it's not stupid. It's just hard to pull off. So piggyback in even further, wasn't it, didn't you work around with a uh, radioactive material at the age of 18? I mean, 15, sorry. Um, I'm hoping that wasn't in the garage, right? Or were you in a real lab? If you were, give us some more info on that since it seems relevant to current train of thought. So the, the, the reactor itself, it, you don't start with any radioactive material. You start with uh, deuterium, the heavy form of hydrogen. And it, it isn't radioactive. Like, I, I don't drink it, but like, it's mostly hard. So the, the reaction is very dependent on voltage. So at the voltage that I was running it at, which is about 2,000 volts, it doesn't have enough power to actually smash the things together hard enough to get them to stick together. So you need over about 35,000 volts for that. And so when I was when I was working on my reactor, the the one piece that I was missing was a power supply that could actually produce that amount of power. Um, not because uh, like it's difficult, but rather that the the things that can do that at a reasonable power are expensive and like I was working on a very low budget. So like getting one was very difficult. Um, so I never actually ended up taking my reactor up to fusion temperatures. I just, I was using it more as like uh, an excuse to learn how to work with high vacuum and, and ionization, and, you know, beams and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I used it more as a learning experience rather than like trying to actually go for fusion. 
Um, but also, like, radioactivity is not nearly as dangerous as, as people think. It's, it's a statistical thing. Like, unless you eat it, there's, there's ways to be safe with it. Um, like, I know a lot of people who collect uh, radioactive, like, stuff, because we used to use uranium, um, and so they have uranium-glazed paints. So, like, there's, there's safe ways to handle all of that. Um, but so when I was getting prepared to do, to do the actual reaction, um, I was doing it in uh, the basement of my house. Uh, but my dad had a, it, my dad's a builder, so he'd actually built like a special room for my lab, and so it was like a foot of concrete on all sides. Like it was it was hard to hurt that room. But also, like I was I was building shielding, so like all the radiation doesn't get out and doesn't hurt anybody. Um, like it it goes down to the ground or absorbed by the shield. And I had all kinds of detectors and uh, safety equipment like all over the place. And it was, I'd, I'd put a lot of time and effort into the whole not dying thing. Well, what surprises me, and I know it may sound like I'm pushing some sort of agenda. I promise you I'm not. If you've listened to our previous podcasts, um, everyone we have on seems to find that there is a gap in the education where they've filled in at home. Like yours is probably the most extreme case of, you know, you've taken something that they wouldn't even probably dream of teaching in some sort of practical in school and you've done it in your own house. Um, but it's interesting seeing that a lot of people are seeing that there's a gap in education. I was just wondering, like, were you studying science at the time? What did the teachers say? You know, was there, was there any chance of you using it as a demonstration tool or could they have used it in school for a demonstration tool? Um, yeah, they, they definitely could have used it as a demonstration tool. Um, my teachers were kind of, Odd. Like some, like a couple of them recognized what I was doing for for what it was, um, and they were impressed and they were supportive and like basically like they'd let me whatever. But then others just thought I was just kind of weird and that I there's no way I could be doing the thing that I was saying that I was doing. And like even when I showed the pictures, they're like, "What? I don't." And then like they're just like, "Well, no, you need to focus on doing your doing your homework." And I'm like, "Fuck that. That's boring." Um, so yeah, it was it was weird. Um, but yeah, I definitely found that there was large gaps. But it's kind of because of the way that they teach things. Like they teach you like you're an idiot progressively, and that you progressively get less stupid. Which the thing is, most people are actually a lot more clever than people give them credit for, um, and can probably handle having all of the information so that they're they have that complete picture. It was one of the reasons that like when I finally got to university, like like they could have just taught it like this the first time. Why did they break this up and just have us like memorize stupid parts of it that aren't useful? The, the other thing that, that always bugged me was that um, school is kind of set up to like sit here and memorize a thing and then vomit it up onto a test, repeat, and then you immediately forget it. The, the test is over. The thing is, though, I don't actually remember all of this stuff. I have this magical portal to all of human, ex human knowledge in my pocket that like I could just look shit up. And people are like, how do you know all these things? I'm like, because I can Google. Like, so yeah, it's, it was, it was real frustrating. Um, and so I was, I was supremely bored and like hated school the entire time. And it was, it was just a nightmare. So yeah, you're just preaching to the choir right now, uh, with the whole hate school doing it bad. I, I don't know if I've talked to a single person who, who like when I like say my piece, they're like, yeah, no, that that's like, everyone just kind of agrees. Like everyone knows that school's fucked. Just makes me then want to say, especially since you know my wife is an educator, uh, she's you know teaches high school chemistry. So then, what advice would you give 
if you if you could to educators and government are the ones that actually make the decisions and then force that totally upon educators because I, I understand all too well that teachers they really want to teach. They don't want to just teach tests day in, day out, but they're forced to. Um, so the thing I would say is, um, at least in Canada, the restrictions of what teachers can teach and the way that they teach it are actually a lot more lax. Um, there's a lot less standardized testing, so they're free to kind of do whatever they want. Uh, or not whatever they want. They, they have guidelines, obviously, but like less often. So, for example, you know, day one of my AP chemistry class, my teacher goes, well, I already know you guys, and I know you're confident. We're going to make acetylene gas. Whoever can make it go bang wins. So it, it, was, it was moments like that that really, like, stood out as, like, this is the way they should be doing it. Like, don't, don't, don't talk at me and tell me what the thing does. Just show me. Like, let's do the experiment. Let's see how it works. We, like, the, the way humans learn is we take things apart and see what, like, at what point they break. Like, even if the kid doesn't figure out how to do the experiment, now they've learned a very important lesson on what not to do. And, like, I, I feel like if you could work all of that in to be a much more core piece of the curriculum, I, th I feel like that would be ideal. Um, like, if you did, like, like here's, like, we're going to do two days of, like, here are all the equations you're going to need. You can keep the equation sheet next to you, and then for the rest of the time, we're just going to run experiment after experiment after experiment, and then you're going to understand what's going on. And there has to be some sort of validation. Like, I'm not a fan of tests, um, but, like, you know, being able to do, like, a little write-up, very reasonable. It's, it's sort of the same with, with math. Like, they teach you, like, just the most boring pieces of it. They're, like, I, I've seen so many great teachers on, like, things like YouTube who do such a better job uh, of conveying information that I've seen a lot of teachers do. Um, like Crash Course is phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, like I cannot recommend it more highly. They do amazing work, beautifully animated, everything super visual. You can see what's going on, and they they cover the topics at exactly the right amount of detail for you to like get the fundamentals. Like if you really need the specifics, that's when you can like poke the teacher and go, okay, this is the one thing I'm stuck on. Um, I feel like it should be a lot of a lot more like force the kids to teach themselves. Like don't try and like jam knowledge down their throat, like just like give them the puzzle and go figure it out because that, then you actually learn it. Like then it stays in your head because you've had to troubleshoot. Um, that's, that's the reason that like I'm able to do stuff. Like I, like my, my project philosophy is pick a thing and troubleshoot and it'll works. Cause like you learn all of the, the, the bits and pieces that you like. Um, but yeah, there, there really is a lot of really good resources online. Um, so I feel like the, the best way to really like, each kids is have them do the experiments and force them to teach themselves um, how the thing works and like communicate and talk with each other. Cause once one of them figures it out, it should be on them to teach the rest of them. Um, because then they, it like, it, it shows that they know it um, because they're able to actually articulate what's going on. Um, and the other person also, so it's like that structure fundamentally works better for actually keeping the thing, like the knowledge in your head. Whereas if you're just like, memorize it, memorize it, memorize it, vomit on test, gone. See, I agree with you on that. In schools, they just throw it at you. It basically turns out information is exactly like water. It just leaks straight off. Whereas if you do it yourself, it sinks in. That's just the nature of neural nets. You're like, you have to use it. Or Something that everyone listening and all of us here that can relate to this, we've all tried an experiment 
and either it's blown up or we've injured ourselves in some way and we've never forgotten it. So yeah. humans learn almost exclusively by suffering. In in like the the 1300s, people were just like sewage wasn't a thing. People would just like throw their poo out the out the window. Like it it took the plague and the dying off of like two thirds of the species before people were like maybe we should sewers. How about sewers? Um, so it's like yeah, humans don't learn by just like osmosis. It doesn't happen. You have to like make them learn it. Well, from that, I'm not too sure I'll transition, but I'll, <laughs> I'll jump straight from that from the, the other projects you're doing. Um, and one that's really, really interesting to me is the Firefly project. I'm interested in this for a number of reasons, but if you could just sort of like start off by explaining for the layman sort of what it is and what it does. Um, so the idea is that it is a nanoparticle system that you could inject into either a person or an environment or whatever, and have it uh, accomplish either one or several tasks. Um, it w it's uh, meant as a really good delivery platform for drugs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and because the uh, core of the thing is magnetic, uh, you can interact with it without having to like apply a chemical. Like you can drag it, you can physically drag it around like through your body with a magnet. Um, so it kind of changes the usual delivery. Like when you, when you like take a pill or an injection, you just kind of like flood your system with stuff and hope it gets to the right spot. Whereas this, you could just like drag the medicine to where it needs to be and uh, give it a signal and it drops it off. So what other projects are you working on other than the, the medicine bomber it's, as it sounds like? Um, so as, as usual, I kind of have a, a bajillion things all at once. The, the, the big one that I'm, I'm really focusing on is the, the supercapacitor. Um, I'm also working on uh, several variations of uh, microbial fuel cells use bacteria to produce power. So in so for like, like remote locations where you can't necessarily get a power grid, so long as you have things to feed the thing, it'll continue to produce power, which you know, so long as we have to eat, there will be food for bacteria. I'm also working on a couple new kinds of solar panels and uh, making uh, all sorts of different, like super strong materials. Doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of work with uh, graphene and like all the all the like fancy high tech carbon stuff. Um, is is kind of a, a lot of what I'm working on. I kind of have a, a list of things that I'm, I'm hoping to get through. Um, literally, I. I a literal list that just continues to get longer and longer and longer of all the different projects and, and bits that I'm going to work on. Some of the other like soon-ish ones I want, I, I've been going over all the, the literature to make super strong graphene-based fiber. So I'm going to be starting with that. I'm also going to get to carbon nanotube-based muscle wire and a whole bunch of other uh, in, like interesting carbon stuff. Uh, I'm also trying to recreate that uh, super light carbon foam, which like is, is so light, you can put it on top of like a dandelion. It doesn't press. The, the, the muscle wire is, is basically uh, a wire that when you put electricity through it, uh, it contracts. Um, and it does this about 20% faster and stronger than a human muscle the same size. Um, so for things like an exosuit, that's real handy. Or, you know, tiny mechanical animals or whatever else I feel like. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of it. It's, it's a lot of like energy generation stuff, 
there's there's some there's some bio stuff that's kind of on the back burner, but that's going to come. You just talked about muscle wire. Have you thought about <laughs> delving into prosthetics, maybe attempting advanced prosthetics using muscle wire, if not also some electronics for thought conduction or at least electrical transmission from muscles instead of just uh, kinetic sensors like most of them are doing? Yeah. Um, so so one, of the, one of the big things I'm hoping to use that for is for things like prosthetics and basically anywhere you would need an artificial muscle. Basically, like I'm, I'm really, and I, I don't like motors as fundamentally as as a way of, of articulating a robot. I think it's really inelegant. It's functional, but like you don't, it doesn't look right, and it drives me crazy. Um, so muscle wire is kind of like the thing that I've been chasing because I know that if I can make it, I can finally make robots that don't like bother me. So yeah, with with prosthetics, I, I've I've been wanting to make a really nice prosthetic for a really long time. Like I'm, I'm thinking like you can play piano, but you know that's that's the dream. No idea if I can actually pull that off yet, but something to work on. See, that would be that would be really good. We was at um, an event called New Scientist, and we met Nigel Uckland. He's got the most advanced prosthetic um, out there at the moment. It was based in the Excel Center in London, and say he he thinks he's twisting a motorbike throttle, his wrist will just spin around really really fast and like really unnatural ways but obviously it's a prosthetic and you're just thinking what but then if he thinks of turning his wrist it actually locks up and starts to twist his arm it's really interesting it's odd but so that'd be yeah. really cool if you could make one of those yeah i mean that's that's the thing i i totally i there is it has no point to it at all oh I, it's just like a, a fun thing that i've wanted to make a really long time i want to make a little uh, animatronic butterflies just because for once I want to make something pretty it's not necessarily useful but yeah so so ideally uh, you know you'd be able to get, you know do some do something like that or you could do like really nice like animatronic birds and stick a camera in its head and now you've got a really cool like drone type helio so like there's lots of uses for it but I kind of just want to make something fun have you attempted to create the animatronic or robotic butterflies yet? Um, well, so that means I've, I've got to get the wire working first. Um, and so I was working on building a device that, was, that would allow me to grow carbon nanotubes. Uh, um, but the nice thing is with Exosphere now, I've got like, I'll have like the proper materials to do all the things. Um, so I'll be able to actually like uh, attempt it again. Because um, basically it's as soon as I can make uh, carbon nanotubes, I can make the, the wire. Uh, the problem is it's real expensive to buy them, hence why I'm working on ways to grow them. Um, and and I'm trying to. I found a patent for the paper. What it was, but it was basically like a continuous way of growing carbon nanotubes. You grow it on like a like a conveyor belt, basically, um, so that you could constantly be pulling wire um, as it grows. Um, so this this way, I could actually get like really really long lengths of wire because because uh, like you're trying to do it like as a batch, like you do like a little sliver of stuff throw a thing on it take it out pull a wire like that's it's really inefficient yeah that's that's kind of where that project stands um hopefully i, I should see progress before summer well let us know more about that when you've uh, found a way to grow it efficiently um just going back to sort of what we mainly talk about with everyone um and you said that you had some bio stuff in the background i was wondering what implants you have at the moment or if any 
Um, and if you've had any before and had to remove them and any reasons for their removal? Um, so I've got a little uh, NFC bag, which is usual, a uh, little glass one. Um, I, I had two magnets in for a while, but I kind of did all the things you're not supposed to do, like climbing ropes and parkour. Bad thing to do when you've got a healing magnet. So uh, eventually I, I kind of abused it to the point that it, it had to come out. Yeah, so those were those were the only ones that I, I had. I, I tried to do a, or rather, I tried to have a friend do a, the Ragus uh, magnet, ended up giving up on that. Um, I, I was actually working on developing some implants, or, or more specifically, the coding for the implant. Uh, me and, and Gabriel Lucina were working together on this like transdermal project. And so the, the coding was basically uh, a coding that you could paint onto your implant. And when it dried, uh, when you implant it, the coating partially dissolves um, so that the cells can actually grow into the implant uh, and like stick to it. Um, and, and it kind of, so it gives them a place to live and it, it kind of has some biological triggers in there that tell them what sort of cell is supposed to grow in there. And, and yeah, so it, in theory, it would allow you to actually do a transdermal implant because like the problem with it is that transdermals always have that microscopic gap. So this way it would actually seal. Um, you don't need to worry about infection. So I know, um, just that you spoke about. Uh, Gabriel Lucina, uh, we had him on last week and he was telling us about Exosphere and also some of the stuff they're doing in uh, Brazil this spring. Yep. Um, could you remind us sort of what, what Exosphere is and also what the projects you've sort of done in the past? Like I know you sort of did a project in Chile, I think it was as well. Um, so Exosphere is this really cool um, like alternative learning uh, thing. Um, and so basically the idea is rather than like sit and lecture at you, it's we give you the tools and you get to learn how to use the tools and do the thing. Like, we're, like you learn by doing the thing that you're supposed to be learning how to do. Learn how to do. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, it, it was, it's really interesting because it not only teaches you, like, science, um, if, you, if you take one of the science streams or code, if you take one of the coding streams, um, but there's also a lot of, like, core curriculum that focuses on business and debate and all kinds of other really useful like skills and, and just good things to know. Um, and also it's, it's really interesting in that the, the network of people who have gone to Exosphere and know about Exosphere is actually really, really large. And so you, it, it kind of attracts all sorts of really interesting people. And so by the end of the program, like everyone's doing all kinds of really cool stuff and, and it, it's really all quite fun. Um, so when I was in Chile, I was working on a couple of different things. Uh, my, my main project was the creation of a symbiotic colony of different organisms where uh, one of them or, or one or two of them was photosynthetic. So they would take in light and nitrogen and carbon or carbon dioxide and turn it into like sugars and protein. Um, and then the other uh, microorganisms would feed on them and use it to use that energy to grow some several different things. Um, so I had one bacteria in there that was uh, that produces uh, calcium carbonate, which is basically like limestone. And so it would turn carbon dioxide into what is basically rock. Then to make it a little bit stronger, I was genetically engineering a type of bacteria to produce spider silk. Um, but it wasn't just uh, normal spider silk. I had at, I was adding a little piece of code to the end so that on contact with seawater, there's a little bit of silica dissolved in seawater. Um, and on contact with it, it immediately precipitates it out of the ocean. And so you end up with biologically formed glass, basically. Um, and so in this whole mass of bacteria and spider silk and glass and calcium carbonate um, and a few other 
connected events. Uh, the idea is you could then take this colony and it would collect carbon dioxide and turn it into like rock and building materials. You could kind of grow it into whatever shape you want, bring it out of the ocean and dry it out. And now you've got your like structure made out of like literally the most bio-friendly material possible. And the one and one of the other things uh, that I'd included was a species of back of fungi, sorry, that could capture and break down oil and plastic. So it was basically this colony that could not only produce building material, but but could also clean the ocean. You just mentioned uh, during talking about exosphere that some of the work done there was people learning to code, not just learning to do science. And as a technology guy, computer guy, just makes me say, hold on, what? Learning to code at a bio, uh, biohacking, bio, si- biotechnology and science lab? What? Um, so there's there's actually uh, I think nine different streams this time, and so not all of them are science. Um, I know there's a, a Python coding stream. There's a uh, if, I think there's a, an Ethereum stream again this time. Um, there's one for Internet of Things, um, so programming like little interactive devices. Uh, there's a dude running a drone Olympics. This guy builds really really cool drones, and so he's gonna like you're gonna learn how to program a drone to paint you a picture. Like, it's it's all quite exciting and fun. There's a there's a Mars colonization stream where they like at the end of the thing they're running like a simulated Mars mission. Um, then then of course there's my stream and then there's Gabe's stream. Um, and so we're the we're the more like hard science stuff. Oh, and there's there's philosophy as well. And so it we have all these different streams and different people. And there's a lot of times where they kind of force you to intermingle so you can kind of exchange ideas and like talk about your, your the stuff you're working on and get get new insight on it. Have you thought of partnering with any of the space agencies with their attempts to mission to Mars, space exploration, you know, NASA, amongst others, with some of your projects or current and past? Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, potential for one of my projects to be picked up, I, I hope. Um, it, it's kind of a matter of what things I end up uh, getting to work properly. Um, so, like, if, if I get this battery working, like, it could be a very, very good thing. Um, like, there was, uh, they were just building a, a satellite and they just had a major fire because a, a lithium battery blew up. Like, my batteries can't light on fire. So, and, and they hold, so when I'm, when I'm done with them, they'll hold more than a lithium battery, but are, like, way cheaper to produce. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to partner with one of them. Like if, if SpaceX was like, we would like to hire you. You're like, yes. Um, like like realistically, like I if I could if I could sell if I can get my battery working properly, I would happily love. Yeah, Samsung would absolutely love it. They're like, wait, a battery that can't light on fire? We'll buy a million, please. Um, but yeah, so that would be that would be very good. Um, what would you tell someone that is thinking about getting started in biohacking in your own experience? I mean, taking the um, the magnet one, I don't know. Um, if you want to get into biohacking, I would start with ideally taking a biology class. Because the amount of people who are trying to get into grinding and have no idea about biology is like frightening. They want to like cut themselves open. Yeah, I would, I would start with um, learning as much biology as you can um, and then start reading through... Um, all or uh, like as much medical stuff as you can get a feel for the way that uh, things and and get get a 
feel for the way things work. Like we're big, squishy, meaty robots. Like you need to learn the piece you're going to try and fuck with it. So, and, and also we're, we're squishy, meaty robots who have a habit of dying to mess with them. So you really, really need to know what you're doing. Um, like watch as many videos as you can, like really try and absorb as much information because there's lots out there. Um, especially like now that this is becoming, you know, more of a, not necessarily common thing, but, but it, it's, it's a growing community. Um, so there's lots of information out there that people can uh, find. So I would, I would suggest this, like cramming as much of it into your brain as you can before you try and start like messing with anything. Alternatively, like if you, if you happen to like, you know, find a person who's willing to like do the thing for you, then yeah, go for it. Like the, the magnet thing was a really, really cool experience really fundamentally changed the way that I look at senses. Like when I, when I had to take it out specifically, I actually felt like I was going blind. And that is a really interesting experience that most people won't get normally. So I, I think that, that that's probably the best way to go about it. Like either have someone do the magnet or RFID or something like just like dip your toe in before you try and like, you know, get all excited, get like a North Star or something. Like start, start small and, and take your time and let things heal. Like if, if there's one piece of advice I could give, it's let things heal and don't fuck with it. We had one guy who tried to, he was having an issue. So he, his mom made like some, it was basically like pizza dough. It was like flour and water and some herbs and stuff. And, and she's like, it's a poultice. You just put it in. And when he pulled it off, it like ripped the, the magnet out of the, out of the wound. And I'm like, what are you doing? And so to the point was there is actually a line on the wiki that says, do not try and use pizza dough to treat your magnet. So, I've never heard of someone treating themselves with pizza dough before. Do you know what? That one's brilliant. Neither had I until he did it. We're, we're all just like, did, did this really just happen? What, what's going on? Oh, so now you had a completely different experience. When I took my magnet out, it was uh, more of a relief. I had one of the silicon ones. Have you seen one of those? Yeah, they're, they're bulky, aren't they? Oh, they're gigantic. It was more or less the size of my finger. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd ever go with anything made by uh, silicon or that person that made it again. When yeah. I contacted them, they, they never got back to me about it. So, Yeah, I'm honestly like, I, the titanium nitride was really, really nice. Um, it, it's kind of a shame that uh, the coating process is really finicky, so it's hard to get consistent batches, which is why nobody seems to have them. Yeah, I mean, there was... I saw one, there was, somebody had like a, a, a special order that was like, you know, titanium nitride with perlene on top. Like, that would be nice. But, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine doing one of the really bulky ones. Like, that would be awful. So, another thing I just wanted to expand upon where you said learn about the biology. Um, I think that is a very good point to make because a lot of people make the mistake of, oh, look, there's a new tech out. Go on, cut me open, pop it in. So but there's another point to that that I want to expand upon. It's not as urgent as looking up the biology side, but know what you're putting in yourself. The amount of questions that people come to me, they're like, dude, I just got this done. What does it do? Yeah, I, I really, I've, I've never understood that. Like, I, like if I'm going to do something like that, I need to know all of the pieces. How does it work? Why does it work? What is the point of this? Like, otherwise, like, it's like you don't need to implant a toaster because what are you going to do with an implanted toaster? Like, if the thing can work without implanting it, just don't implant it. Like, unless you need to, don't use it. It's like... I think um, 
going from things like the failures that y- you guys are talking about, it sort of brings up the next sort of question, which is um, sort of regarding your, your, the range of projects you've done from your sort of endeavours at the age of 14 all the way up to your most recent ones. Um, apart from, obviously, the, the bureaucracy you get around this sort of um, industry, how, how do you ensure the safety of, of either your publications, your findings, or just your general research? Um, so originally I was like, let's, let's patent things. Patents are fun. That's, that's how you protect your, oh God, never again. Like not fun, very expensive, giant waste of time. Can't actually protect shit. Cause like you can get your like patent in Canada and then people in China are just like, okay, that's, that's a lovely patent you've got there. Be a shame if somebody I like copied it identically. Like. So like it doesn't. So at this point, it's way easier to just go. You know what? Fuck it. If they're gonna figure it out anyways, I'm gonna just open source it, and then everyone can figure it out. And there's a very specific kind of open source license that's like you can all use it, but if you want to use it commercially, that's when you come and like we have to have the conversation. Like I'm going to need a piece of that because that's just mine you're using. Yeah, I'm. I at this point, I'm just like you know what? Rather than try and and keep everything contained and. You know, like this is this is mine. My patented. Th- I'm just like, you know what? Just everyone use it. I would much rather see the the species advance than worry about like trying to collect every diamond dollar from from an invention. Like the dude who invented the the polio vaccine. Like he's my hero. He's like, you know what? I could make or was he was polio. Um, he's like, I could make lots of money money on this, or I could you know stop polio. So generally, that's that's kind of the, the approach I I would like to take. Because, like, even with the nanobots, when I figure them out, like, I would very much like if, if everyone could just figure it out, like, learn how to use them and start making, like, spinoffs. Because then we can actually have, like, some significant progress in the field instead of everyone, like, trying to defend their little territory of nothing, and then nothing gets done. So you, you just talked about uh, patents and China being the wonderful copier that it is. Uh, if I not... Yeah, rubbing salt in the wound. What what did you try having patent patented that in the past uh, from your the firefly system? The firefly uh, system. Yeah, I, I jumped I jumped on trying to patent it way too soon. I, I should have really like investigated a lot further before I, I jumped on that. Because um, now I'm having to like overhaul a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, definitely definitely not doing that again. Like it it's I'd I'd have to do something really like spectacular for me to worry about. Even. Um, and even then, I'm like, mm, I'd rather just like throw a publication up there all the day. Sounds good. I love open source. It just helps further everybody's education that way. Yep. And you never know. You might come up with original idea of version one, and version two comes out um, from because somebody had a light bulb moment moment based on your work. And then guess what? You got a teammate, and you can then bounce bounce the technology even further. Exactly. Um, and it's like we, like, nobody got here alone. Like, technology is a slow progression of slight improvement over years. Like, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. So, the last thing you want to do is, like, butter your shoulders. All right. Before we move on in the conversation, I'm going to take a quick moment to thank our friends and share a message. We want to be more together 
at the 2017 Body Hacks in Austin, Texas, January 27th through 29th. You'll learn throughout a two-track, two-day conference, discover some of the best companies in body hacking, connect with your fellow cyborgs at the hub, and party at the world. This year, put together, the Body Hacks Fashion Show opens the event on Friday night at the Austin Convention Center. Be more together at bodyhackingcon.com. And back to the conversation. So in your own grind, what has been your single best moment of achievement? Um, so the, the first time I got my, my fuser working properly was a very, very big moment. Very excited about that. Because, um, I mean, like I said, it, it had taken like a year, year and a half of fucking with it before it finally did the thing properly. And it was a lot of like searching, finding, and hunting literally all over the world to try and find the thing make it work. Um, so that was that was quite big. Um, then then there there have just been a lot of like projects that I've done that I've wanted to do for a really long time. When I finally like got to do them, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, like uh, there's a there's a process called decellularization where you take all the cellular material out of the piece of tissue and leave the connective stuff behind. Um, and so I'd really wanted to mess with that for a very, very long time. And finally, I'm like, I was like, wait a second, I'm a grown adult. I can do whatever the hell I want. So I just went to the butcher, sh- the butcher shop and bought myself a pig heart and decellularized it. Now I've got a, a decellularized heart in a jar. Um, and it was, I mean, it still is awesome. Um, so yeah, that one, that one was, was quite, quite good because that kind of is going to spiral off into, um, uh, a lot of other projects because being able to do that lets you do a whole bunch of other really interesting things. I don't know. I mean, those, like, there's there's a whole bunch of like little little moments, but it's like at this point, I've done so many like different interesting things that it's it's kind of hard to like pick one as the, the like standout of wow, this is amazing. It's like I have I have those moments all the time. I was like, wow, I did a thing that I really didn't think I could do, or or wow, this actually works. Like this is crazy. Because I mean, a lot of a lot of my work is like read a paper, replicate it, and so when it finally like works and it does the thing, like that's really really exciting, and that that happens fairly frequently. How would you see the research uh, you do changing the association of biohacking and institutional biotechnology in the future? Um, so I mean, the the things that I've I've done, and also the things that I intend on doing, all can have a very deep impact on both biohacking and lot of like just general biotechnology like the, the nanobots if they work would seriously change how we handle a whole bunch of medicines and treat diseases all kinds of stuff um that coding for transformals could be super helpful for uh like diabetics like if you if you had like a little port on yourself that you could just like attach uh your little like insulin capsule to for a second and you're done but have like inject yourself every day like that would be awesome um, or just people who have to have like long-term like tubes or, or whatever else sticking out like this is it would be a very like the batteries i'm working on like everyone's making these devices to implant in themselves but they're still using lithium like lithium based batteries which are like horrifying if anything goes wrong like the, the stuff i'm using can't hurt you like it's it's so safe that you could like you know don't do it with charge and i mean generally don't do this because it's dumb but like you could probably eat it it's fine um like everything everything is not talking so like that's that's kind of like the, the difference. So people would be able to hopefully make better stuff. Um, and some of the ideas for like generating power could also be applicable. Like they could be a little thing that you, you put on your implant and then instead of powering it, it could run off like blood glucose. So 
there's there's all sorts of like different little bits and pieces that form that be very very. I just wanted to expand a bit more where you said a port for diabetics. So that would be a fantastic idea. I know you might not have put an awful lot of thought into it, but would it have uh, a way that it would alert you? Would it automatically dispense and tell you that it's dispensed nine out of the 10 uses it has? So you're prepared to change it. Well, I mean, like all of these things could be built in. Like like you could very easily, um, you know, build build some extra little bits and pieces into it that that would allow you to monitor stuff like that. They're, they just came out with a little. It, it's it looks like an RFID chip, like that everyone was using, but it, it monitors blood. It'd be trivial to, to build that into your little port. Then it could monitor thing. You tell it you and 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 you you know when you need to put a thing on and you use it. Or it could be uh, a port with little cartridges. Maybe it, it has like ten uses. But I mean, there's there's lots of different ways. The next question I have for you is sort of more of the personal side of, of who you are to get, get through to the listeners of maybe a personal connection with you. And it's, it's mainly just like with all the projects that you've, you've mentioned, what's the biggest impact that you want to make? And almost, I know it sounds quite deep, but w- what do you sort of want to be remembered for? So, I mean, at, at the moment, like I'm kind of watching the world spiral into oblivion. Like it's like the, the environment's falling apart. Like a lot of our institutions really seriously need a, a tune-up. Like things need to be adjusted. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping to kind of fill those those needs. Um, I'm a lot of the tech, I'm, I'm like at soon I, I'm, I'm hoping to be working on a, a carbon capture technology. So, or, or well, I'm, I'm usually working on at least one carbon capture technology, if not a couple. Um, so if ideally I can come up with it and like I can be remembered for a solution to the carbon problem, like that would be phenomenal. Like if I could do anything to, to try and put the environment back together, that would be great. Um, if you know if if my batteries could be the, you know the next step forward in electronics, that would also be good. And there's I'd I'd like to be remembered for for doing good work. There's there's lots of different areas that I'm trying to kind of poke at and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, I'll be remembered for something good. So when was your light bulb moment when a great challenge or hurdle was solved or for that matter, when was the last one? If you've had a few along the way, tell us uh, about how you parkoured through it. There, well, there are definitely some like light bulb-esque moments. A lot of it, it is isn't so much a light bulb moment so much as like try something and then all of a sudden things starts working. It's it's kind of like coding. Like you don't really know what is wrong. You just keep changing things until it works. And you're like, okay, if I can, I'm gonna stop touching it now because it, it, it's working. Like I'm, I'm very much an experimentalist. Like you know, there's there's different kinds of scientists. I'm definitely an experimentalist, which means I just keep messing with things until they work. I the the quote unquote like light bulb moments. Like whenever I have an idea for a new design or something, like it goes in my notebook. Like that's those are those are the real like light bulb. First time I come up with a concept sit down, write it out, draw it out, figure out how it could work. So, like, that's that's it. After that, it's just hammering away at it until it works. If there's one thing you'd want to say to someone thinking about getting their first implant or any form, I'd say biology modification, uh, including all of your work here, um, how would you choose to ease their concerns? Um, I know we've gone through this with look up the biology like the, the workings of the human body and what the technology does, how it's coated, how it applies with your body. Are there any other points that you would say 
or how would you advertise your product if you were building a biocompatible one? I think. Um, well, I mean, those are those are two kind of different things. Like, if if someone if if you just need to be eased about the thing that you're doing, like I can't really ease you. You're doing something kind of extreme. If you're gonna do it. You kind of like need to understand why you're doing it and what you're hoping to accomplish. And if it's you know if it seems like a, uh, a thing that you're capable of or something you really want, then yeah, chase it. But like these these are very deep questions you need to be asking yourself because you are about to do something. Um, with with any of my products, like I, I try and keep them as safe as I possibly can. I'm trying not to hurt people, um, so it, it would kind of be a different thing. Like if if I was trying to like promote my own product, I'd be like, well, it worked, and you're not going to get infected and die. That's that's a plus. Um, but you know, it, it kind of depends. See, I was more asking that because there are people like us out there. We do our own research, and we're able to learn from that. We can understand something that we may not have delved into before. So we'll have the sort of common sense to go, okay, we're carbon-based beings. Silicon coating may reject, but other people are going to go, oh, look, it's coated in silicon. Where else is silicon used? Oh, they're silicon grade for surgery. And then they'll piece that together with it being okay and never rejecting. I mean, really, it's one of those, if you're going to do the thing, you need to do the background. Like, don't do something dangerous if you don't know what the risk. Um, it's one of the reasons that if you're doing chemistry, you read the MSDS before you start working with anything. If you're doing biology, like, you need to know what the hazards are. Like, you don't walk into a bio level three lab, lab and just expect everything to be fine. Like, you want the plague, that's how you get the plague. Um, so it's, it's it's the same with biohack. If you're gonna try and implant yourself, like, know what you're know what's going on. Like, know the background and question everything like if anyone says that oh it's safe like triple check just to be sure because you only got one life and you can screw it up uh, I, i'd hate i hate to be the sort of indoctrinated person from from university degrees but i think if if you take the approach of every project you do as uh, a paper project you know you've got you've got your methodology you've got your research they're all fundamental parts and you can't move to the to the next step without taking them and i think they should take that as, as responsibility my next question for you is sort of like um what do you see is the future for biohacking sort of like i know people will be screaming at us now because you you've mentioned several times during this interview that um about your power and they're going to be saying why are they not asking why are they not asking so i know you've briefly sort of gone over you know the, the fact that implants could be using this power in, in the grind like sphere if you like have you got any plans to to, to try and work that out or um yeah to, to... so there's 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 all sorts of like biohacking projects um that i'm that i am hoping to get to I'm, i really want to uh, make like techno organic implants so things that are partially alive partially not um i there's i mean basically like i'm, I'm sick of all the the boring like magnets and RFID. like okay like if we're gonna do this let's let's do something interesting i'm getting bored um so I mean I'm I'm looking into you know uh, you know biomorphic uh, implants things that kind of move around on the inside to get where they need to be um, like some a lot of nanobase stuff uh, protocells all the all this kind of stuff basically all all of the harder stuff I intend on messing with at some point like I'm uh, when when Elon Musk team put out the the neural lace thing my first thought was like okay how do I make some because um, like I, I feel like if, if somebody could come up with a, a protocol that a DIY person could follow and make some, some fairly basic lace, like you could make some very interesting stuff with that. And I mean, there's there's just all sorts of, of, of possibilities. So I, I I would like to see the the movement progress past where it is because lights and magnets are getting boring. <laughs> 
So not um, following the theme of the podcast of bio-related, but I wanted to see if you've ever done an experiment knowing that there was a really high risk just based on the curiosity. You you just want you had to find the answer to this risk. And if one of them has ever backfired. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Um there was there was one point I was uh, making a vacuum chamber um and I I made it out of a glass jar when I was drilling one of the holes for one of the electrode supports, it it cracked ever so slightly. Um and I was I was kind of just sort of attaching the, the high voltage to different places what I can get the, the plasma to do. And I wasn't paying attention for like half a second and I attached it to whatever electrode or, or port or whatever um, had that crack in it. And as soon as I did, it got hot and I just, I hear, think, and I see the, the crack on the top. I'm like, that's going to blow up. And I I literally like dove out of the way um, and then the, the chamber imploded um, and sprayed glass everywhere. It was terrifying. Um, a very good learning experience on why not to do that. Um, but yeah, I, it was a lot of I like I see what this is, and like I I do very dangerous, 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 dangerous experiments as as you can imagine. Um, like molten sodium hydroxide stuff, not pleasant. Um, but like I do it because I need to know. Like I will continue to poke at the problem until I figure it out. How are people able to keep up with up to date with your work, projects, etc.? If they find you know some of what you've done interesting and want to you know assist or collaborate. Um, so if you, if you want to follow my work, um, there's a whole bunch of different places that I post it. Um, if, if you're interested in like the, the day-to-day stuff, like some of my adventures or just like seeing what's going on in the lab, um, Instagram is a good place for that. I, I'm constantly taking pictures of everything that I do and I'm, and I'm uploading them. Uh, then there's the, the Facebook page as, as well. Um, if you're interested in more like actual like videos explaining my projects and, and showing all of these things that I've been talking about. Um, my YouTube channel is the place for that. Um, so, so in all these cases, it's uh, the Thought Emporium. So on YouTube, it's the Thought Emporium. On Facebook, it's the Thought Emporium. On Instagram, it's the Thought Emporium. If you're interested in collaboration, I'm going to be down in Brazil for Exosphere. If you want to work with me, your, your best chance is to attend Exosphere, um, at which point, like, I am happy to teach you everything I know. And so you can uh, find out more about uh, Exosphere at, uh, I think it's Exosphere. It's, it's basically like the, the word Exosphere, but it's .re. So it's kind of clever that it like, makes the word or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, that's that's the, the majority of it. Um, there's there's like a few other bits and pieces. Like I'm on the I'm on the biohack boards and the, the science madness boards, but um, those are those are kind of the main. Is there anything that you wanted to add into our conversation that we did not cover today? And also, uh, guys, is there any other questions that you had to ask? Um, I mean, nothing, nothing to add here. I mean, you, you've covered um, most. I, I mean, I can say another word or two about Exosphere because I am, I am really excited about the program. Go for um, it. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's there, I've got a lot of really, really cool stuff planned because um, it's, well, while technically the focus is mostly going to be on, on microbial fuel cells for capacitors, um, I've kind of built in a lot of really fun things as well. Uh, like at one point, we spend a week learning how to use this technique called hydrothermal synthesis. It kind of lets you grow all kinds of like crystals and stuff. Um, and so at the end of the week, the assignment is grow me a fossil. Um, and so it's, you got to take a little uh, like seashell or whatever and like fossilize it, grow a little crystal stuff on it. Uh, um, then, there's, then there's just Generally, it's it, I'm I'm you know 
excited about the program and, and excited to teach and, and also to see the things that people come up with. Because a big part of the, the course is, um, like, I'll teach you the methods. It's on you to figure out the, the, the specifics. Like, the basically, it's I've kind of set it up to be like a little competition. Like, all the different, all the participants have to develop their own version of the things that we're going to be working on. And whoever works best, we scale up. Um, and yeah, so that's that's kind of that. The the all the all the streams look like they're going to be really exciting. Yeah, that's 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 that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you if you guys have any any other questions for me, like you're welcome to ask. Um. I think it's just like I like I quite like getting the um the idea from you about um you know, especially like the education thing. Like at, at the start of this, I was sort of because I've finished my masters now, and I was sort of thinking, you know, it does feel a bit weird the way that they teach you in every single subject. I was like, it must just be me must be the way I think, you know, that's why I never really did too well in the first developing steps of school when as it got higher and more sort of unique to what I could do, then I got a bit more interested. But then the more and more people we have on this podcast, like the more and more I find that actually it's something that seems to run through industries and through people's experiences. And so, you know, it's, it's great to have you have your, your, your take on that. And it is, it's, it's kind, of, kind of worrying in a way as well because everyone we interview is very, very clever. You know, there's, this community is made up of a lot of clever people and um, their ideas on the, the way to teach is completely different and, you know, non, non-correlative to, to the way that the standardization of education systems work from over there and over here. So um, hopefully in the future we see a way of joining. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, like Exosphere is kind of like my, the best solution that I've found at the moment, honestly. Like, it, it really is like learning the way that you're that you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, at the at the so when uh, when I was at the, the last program in Chile, um, the, just the, the things that people made, and they had no biology background to start with. The like the things they walked into the program with were just mind boggling. And I'm like, yeah. So this is what happens when you just give people the tools and tell them to just do the thing instead of trying to lecture them for a dozen hours. Like there was no lectures, and yet these people were learning like hard biology. Like they were by the end of it, they were doing like you could hand this in as a PhD thesis, and like the, the board would go, "Yep, this is yep, absolutely, this is good." Um, but they, but like it, it had only been two months. Like they had no background, so there's definitely a better way to teach it. I think it's it's by doing, um, doing and forcing people to learn on. I'm just gonna ask one more, and I think I'm gonna ask this regularly, going by. Uh... We do ask everyone their opinion on the educational system. And as Curse has said, every single one of the people we've interviewed, everyone's made their own contribution. Everyone's really smart. Yet they've all done badly in school. Now, I've done not very good in school. I almost failed several times. Yeah, I sucked at school. So I I figured out exactly how much effort it took to get a 75 um, or an 80. And I would put exactly that amount of effort into it, and then I would like go do my own thing. Um, like, like I knew I'm like, okay, I could, I gotta write it about, like, I gotta write this assignment to be about this long. And it has to be about this coherent. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of like, you know, mash it out and hand it in all day, and just like go work on my own stuff because it's, it's boring. So I, I do have another question, um, especially with the. It seems like an underlying theme in, in this conversation as a whole. It seems to be about education, about finding the niche that really make real learning possible and collaboration possible. So my question is, if Exosphere is that solution, why not replicate it? 
instead of just being one in Brazil now, since they've moved from Chile to Brazil. Makes me curious why the move, but more, why have just one? If it's really that good of a solution, why not have more? Um, so, I mean, maybe maybe down the line they'll open another one, but I mean, they kind of have to give this one time to grow. Um, it's it's really hard to, because they're, they're doing it kind of the startup uh, methodology. You can't just jump to the, we have tons of campuses. Like, the, you got to build one good one first. Um, and they really are trying to build themselves a new university. Um, and so it looks like with the way that the economy is going and everything else, that South America is actually going to be a very, very important uh, economic location um, moving forward, um, that and, and Asia. Um, so having a, a place set up down there is very important. Um, also, the reason for the move uh, partially has to do with the difficulty of sourcing some things in Chile, um, as well as the general like air quality and um, a, a few other things. Like the, the air in Rinaca is bad. Um, and in Santiago was worse. So um, we're now where we're going to be still like it's all it's brand we're in like a brand new little tech city like they're it's like trying to build their own little like Silicon Valley in Brazil kind of deal. Um, and so it's all new buildings, new everything. Like it's all uh, you know very very nice and neat. Um, but there's also very it, like very close access both to the water and to um, more like rural area so really it's in it's in kind of a fantastic spot it's it's south enough that it's not going to be like aggressively hot um and it'll still be functional um i mean brazil is a country of 200 million people it's like it's the fifth largest country in the world um and also because of their very weird important export laws they kind of have like a self-sustaining economy like anything that you need you can get so um so really, it, it is kind of like an ideal uh, location. And I mean, the fact that it's on a beach doesn't hurt. Well, it's like we're, we're not really on the, on the water. Like it's, it's like a 20 minute drive, but like, oh darn, 20 whole minutes to get to the ocean. Whatever shall I do? <laughs> like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a scuba diver. I'm going to be diving all the time because of course I am. Like it's, if, you're in, if, you're in, if you're living in Brazil, that's, that's like mandatory. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's really, it's, it's really good location. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, it would be nice to open another one in Canada, but I mean, it's cold in Canada, like most of the time. I mean, global warming aside, it's not nice to live in a place where the air hurts your face. So it's kind of nice to be in Brazil where like the, the people are beautiful and the beaches are nice and the air is clear. So it's, it, it kind of has, it has everything. It's going to be interesting learning Portuguese. I really should get on that. Definitely a special thanks to you, Justin Ekin of Forum for taking the time today to talk to us. Uh, If you want to learn more about this journey we take weekly, please check out DangerousMinds.io or join us on our Facebook page. Just do a quick search for Dangerous Minds Podcast and you'll be able to find us on Facebook. All of us want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us as we explore further the tech and the people behind it within this fastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, and plantable technology today. Please feel free to reach out to us with questions or comments. You're welcome to find us at Dangerous Minds and perhaps one day we'll talk to you about the work and our projects you're exploring and developing. Until next week, seek the spark. 
in the lab and I'm coding all night. Project won't compile, it'll be alright. Computer science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of be balls, my homies throw exceptions. Definitely want to thank you, man. Uh, you definitely hit a lot of points that we really enjoyed. Yeah. And all of us definitely had to had had to share and keep asking more questions as we kept going because I don't know, you, you seem to hit us pretty close to home today, especially about education. Oh my gosh. I think the, the, the flow sort of, of the interview went completely different to where we usually go, which is so nice. Like uh, it's sort of a lot more natural and it was like, 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 you know, Doug says it's very sort of like into, into what you're, you're doing, you know, like it's home, it's home. <laughs> yep. I mean, you know, the nice thing about doing, doing video work, is you kind of get it, get used to like, okay, how do you keep this going without it sounding like shit? <laughs> uh, it's kind of like every week for us sometimes and it's funny like uh when we talked to gosh what was her name i'm having a total brain fart right now was this melanie yes um it was funny because one of the best questions of the day was actually from her asking us saying i, I want to know what pro what advance or project or you know what type of technology y'all would like to see in the realm of neurotechnology and it was like Hello. <laughs> no, like, what? Um, whose podcast is this? <laughs> Do you want to join our staff? We would love this because that actually was one of the best questions and that we totally forgot to ask. But yeah, this was this was fun, and thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Good luck uh, learning Portuguese. Yeah, thank you. I'll need it. Definitely. You're going to need luck in anything, mate. I need to uh, download a Google Translate application to whatever phone you got. At least that's basically. the way I would cheat. I mean, that was the way that we did it in Chile. Like we, like you would basically you just like type the thing into your phone that you want to say, and then you just like show your phone to the person, and then just kind of look at it and go that way. <laughs> like thank you, and you just go. Um, that's what you were in, and it was bad earlier. You were torrenting Rosetta Stone. Uh, no, I wasn't. It was just because I wasn't uh, plugged into the router. Those uh, when, when are you going down again? When, when are you going down to Brazil? I am officially going down on December 25th, and the, uh-huh. the course doesn't start until I think January 9th. Mm-hmm. Too bad. It overlaps with Buddy Hacks in Austin. Yeah, I, I didn't find that out until after. I was like, oh no, damn, I'm going to miss it. But um, Did you make it out for DEF CON this year? No, I, I, this is, if I wasn't um, like traveling around. Uh, where I was, I, I I really would have liked to hit some of the uh, conventions, but I, I was kind of on the trip. But I'm I'm hope I'm hoping that at some point next year I'll get to it. You know, assuming this the state still exists. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah well, I never know. Yeah, um, so you know, assuming I can come into the country again, yeah, so I can do that at some point. Assuming it's not, you know, World War Three and everything's melted and zombies yeah. are around, what have you. Yeah. Assuming it's a, not nuclear winter, I would, I would like to attend next year. I saw a post on, uh, on social media that said something like, uh, in- England and the States are having a battle to see who can mess it up the most. At the moment, we're winning with Brexit, but you've got a trump card. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. After <laughs> November 8th, if he actually wins, which I don't see that happening, he might. I'll, I'll say too soon, too soon. But, you know, yeah. uh, being, a, being hopeful, being a very hopeful individual, I'm hoping that if nothing else, third party wins this time around. Because, yeah, I don't want to choose. It's going to be really dumber. Oh, God. What, what worries me? 
is the population of the states and you've got to pick between these two people yeah what happened guys (laughs) it's called um, the the retards got put in charge you're better off walking down the street and asking someone it was it was like Hillary and the DNC had their their thumb on the scale, so Bernie got booted. Like if if Bernie was currently standing in Hillary's spot, like he'd win by a mile. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like they they fucked themselves on that one. Now it's like, ugh, how? What the fuck? It's um, such a weird system. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I, I think it'll be real funny if she like Clinton gets elected and it's immediate. Like, <laughs> then it'd be like two Clintons have been. Oh, uh, that would be awesome. And hilarious. 90% of people not wanting Brexit, it still happened. So, regardless, you've still got a high chance of getting Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trump's about to be uh, involved in two litigations himself. One for uh, attacking a child uh, and uh, another for, what was it, Uh, falsifying tax records or something. Mm. I don't know. I I don't, I don't. I don't really and care. As long as if they get elected, they they're gone. I, I, ideally, they they both one of them gets elected, and then they both spontaneously combust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I totally that's, agree on that one. That's what you had planned from the age of fourteen, isn't it? That's why you were down there. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you're getting as far away as possible? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm getting to the other hemisphere because fucking, I don't want to be on this side. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Even though you are in the party hat of uh, America, of United States. I mean, which, which is kind of nice. Canada is where, a where you Canada. Also, So really my, my plan is, is, to, is to live in Brazil and visit Canada. Like, that's probably the best way to do it. Canada really is pretty chill. I mean, especially with Trudeau. Like, all, all is good for the most part. Like, nothing, nothing tra- like tragic. I mean, compared to the last guy, like, everything is great. Whatever happens next time we record a podcast, there may be a new president of the United States. Well, (laughs) one might be elected and another might come along. It's something I don't want to think about much. Let's let's push it under the sand. I mean, it affects us as well. Like, we would love to say, ha, look at the situation you guys are in. But come on, we do everything you do. (laughs) Well, there's that. And also, like, you know, if you doesn't believe in climate change and starts making more coal plants like that kind of affects everybody. Okay. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. So, although it would be very funny if I could build a carbon capture device, like capture as much carbon as they put out and then sell it back. I still would love it, it you know, if the ocean projects that y'all did in Chile, if somebody would have made something that you know truly does eat plastic and get it funded by oh, the I, I mean, I was, put out the greenhouse gases, right? You know, sell them carbon credits because that would be, you know, I would think if great way to make money getting carbon credits for the work you do cleaning the oceans and turn around and sell it back to the douchebags that are polluting um yeah i mean here let me send you i love the fact they're doing programming in this place if they were teaching java i think i'd be trying my best to just go down just to get a crash course in java and yeah. make some i mean i think the i think for the for is, um, i'm not actually sure what they're they're doing with Python. Originally, I, I was under the impression it was meant to be a machine learning course, but that, I think that changed. But yeah, so that, that thing I just sent um, is a fungus that eats styrofoam, um, which is what I was, was working on in Chile. Um, I was nice. doing different plastics and seeing what it did. Um, although it was actually so aggressive that I ended up having to stop the experiment. I'm like, if this can start surviving in human conditions, this is... <laughs> <laughs> I, 
like because I was I was trying to make it um, accustomed to ocean water, so it's slowly increasing the salt. I'm like, wait a second. Once we hit eight percent, it can live on blood. This is probably bad. Like, it looks, I want to not do this anymore. It looks so strange. <laughs> uh huh. The weird thing would be if it could live. Uh, are you are you saying live on blood or live in blood? Yes. <laughs> Both. Uh, all of the above. Because um, uh, it puts out uh, paclitaxel, which is a cancer drug. Uh, uh, but cancer drugs is just another name for poison at low dose. Um, oh, fuck. Um, yeah, so this is why I was like, okay, I'm going to not continue with this particular line of inquiry because that would be bad. Yeah, um, that would be like a new horrible yeah. plague. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at other species that are uh, less uh, horrible equally functional um and originally i had picked a different fungus but the the wrong culture got brought so that was a little little mix up but eh, it works and please don't biohack MRSA into eating styrofoam and plastic that'd yeah, be that great would be bad. i would uh, not that would not be good i would be yeah. freaking out at that point yeah i'd be like well the plastic is gone but also MRSA. Uh, <laughs> you can't kill it i've turned your car into MRSA. <laughs> That's, yeah, no good. Well, I want to thank you definitely for your time. And uh, sorry, everybody, but I actually have a meeting that I need to run to in San Antonio, which is about 45 minutes away. So I need to like pack up and jump in the car and just drive like crazy. It is 10 to 11 here as well. So. <laughs> uh, and y'all need sleep, but I'm going to bed. I'm um, going to bed. let's talk about uh, <clears throat> Java when you're you know, free from work sometime, uh, all three of us, huh? Uh, I'll definitely so I'll, I'll try and do something. I mean, we've got to find the best way of teaching it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm open to the idea, definitely. It's something I want to do. All right. Yeah, well, nice. thanks for having me, guys. I'm ahead of Have a thanks good one. Much. I'm heading out, too.